live from a Chinese-made microphone deep within the basement of NORAD. For the last time, I am Jamal, here with the gang, Devin, Monty, and Rob. How are you guys doing? Welcome, Phantoms. Good. Welcome. Third time's a charm. <laughs> I, I, I'm pretty sure it's like the 20th time. <laughs> not that you guys know, not that you guys know our pain. This is, you know, this is all internal. We're here. We're here, and uh, we've got some good subjects for everyone tonight. Uh, Monty, First of all, what's the drink of the week, bud? The drink of the week, buddy, is uh, <laughs> again is quantity over quality today. I want to make sure I don't mess that up. You Quali- pick you quantity pick- over quantity today. We're drinking See, at uh, this point. Monty's trash. trash. Yes. <laughs> when we first started this, he was three beers into seven. Now he's just all. They're all gone. I'm freaking yeah. No, we're we're. I, what am I at now? One two. Three, four, five, six, plus the two I got sitting here waiting to be opened. Yeah, we're drinking Coors Light mm. tonight. Taste Keeping the, the mountain blue with the silver silver bullets. See, I'm already slurring my words. Already um, fucked up. That's this it. is great. This, this is, is great. done. <laughs> this is done. Could, no, you know, uh, I guess I dropped the ball on getting a big heavy hitter beer uh, this oh week. My, but well, nothing oh wrong my. with a little Coors Light. Uh, my family's big on the Coors. My grandfather was like, what is his go-to drink? You know, mm-hmm. Coors was one of my, uh, that was like one of my very first beers. Like when I would go to a store, I'd buy Coors Light. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was the first beer I started drinking. Never would drink when I was underage. But during those party times, <laughs> definitely lie. Coors Light. Definitely Coors Light at all the parties. And, you know, everybody shows up with 30 or 36 pack. And you just party until 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. Oh, Keystone, you might get drink Keystone. Water. Always smooth, never bitter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? I preferred uh, Natty Ice. Natty Ice. Oh. Ah, yeah, you got to get the ice because you need that extra alcohol. I mean, if you're going to binge drink, that's how you do it. <laughs> no, uh, Bud Light Platinum. Have you guys ever had that? Oh, it's just Bud Light Platinum. Yeah, you uh, get six of those, though, at 8%. You're fucked ooh, up. You, you are 8% super- Bud Lights? I, I didn't think know that's they what made. they are. Yeah, I think they're up there a little bit. Really? But you drink six of those, you're you're tuned up pretty good and pretty quick because they go down really fast, really really fast. Oh. So well, and that's our cheap beer subject. Uh, always supporting and drinking habits here at Fair Facts. <laughs> <laughs> I've been dieting, so I've only been I've only been getting on the sauce about once a week. Well, you've been drinking Michelob. I know. I don't want to ruin them gains. Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> From uh, his losses? Wrong. Wrong. Yeah. Wanna fuck up my losses? <laughs> I don't want to fuck up my gains. That's why I go to Burger King. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but we are all about truth here at Phantom Facts, and our dear sweet Amy Poehler has been smeared all over Twitter. And so we're gonna put a stop to it right now. Amy Poehler is not a squirter, and I don't care what Twitter says. Okay? Not a squirter, she creams. Oh, it's the song. <laughs> a Miami stripper arrested for squirting vaginal fluids at police officers in self-defense. What? Jesus. 
I want to know what that looked like. I wish there was a video, <laughs> yeah. like an actual video there's, there's showing. There's not. That. A, I was I was reading into this thing. It's just a straight up. It's a fake what news website? You know what I'm talking about? Like a satirical. Oh yeah. Website. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a bumblebee it's or satire. something. Like the photo they used, the girl actually didn't pee on any cops. Oh, that's too, it's not pee. She it's squirted. Not pee. Vaginal. Okay. <laughs> it's female ejaculant. Yeah. No, it's not. Don't tell me it's, it's pee. It's just water. It's piss, bro. No. Nope. They no, I don't believe it. it. It's scientifically proven. It is not piss. No, it's not scientifically proven. <laughs> okay. I'm about to Google it right now. This is what I'm doing. It, it's, Google has limited your ability to bullshit. I don't know if I want to have that in my search browser. Because uh, <laughs> this is a family computer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're doing it on the wrong wrong computer buddy this <laughs> anyway yeah it was a satirical site but it was her name was i mean you look at the picture of her it, did they actually use a picture of her no they use a picture of another girl but they yeah. say it's they say it's they her. say it's her it looks like amy poehler um like a better looking version of amy poehler that was the nice thing about amy poehler she's homely you know a florida lap dancer has been arrested in Miami after assaulting five police officers with her vagina <laughs> and using it as a deadly weapon without the intent to kill. Deadly weapon? <laughs> uh, they shot her Although 18 this- times. <laughs> but this uh, it was all fake. It was all fake. According to Snopes. Yep. Yeah. Well, the World News Daily Report, don't trust it. It's a satirical website. I feel better now. We've, uh, we've, uh, we've uh, held the honor of Amy Poehler. Yeah, she's awesome. I love Parks and Rec, dude. That freaking show is legit. Oh, I know. Uh, so many people on it I love. I love the girl from, uh, was it Rhode Island? What the hell's her name? Actress. Yeah, she's the, great. the one that uh, marries Chris Pratt or whatever. Yeah, yeah. She is awesome. Uh, they're all good. Uh, there's a Facebook yeah. page that you can follow called the Ron Swanson Appreciation Society. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's great. It's uh Everyone's always posting their barbecue pictures and being like, Ron would be proud. <laughs> uh, and then uh, who, who shared this story? Bucktooth Bandits. Uh, stolen Lumber leads them this to... This is great. Is this you, Monty? No, I didn't share no. this. This but is me. Oh, this and given the the price of oh is it Toronto Sun? Of course it's Devin. It's the Toronto Sun. Yeah. I love mm-hmm. Canadian news. And this, what? It couldn't get more Canadian than this story and a couple beavers eh? <laughs> that's australian with i don't think can. there's any beavers in australia <laughs> <laughs> that was a smooth accent though give me points for that one it wasn't bad but it was just like mm, oh you know the uh american the patreon show we did uh, a couple weeks ago where we were talking about australian sports i got feedback from our australian listeners and they all said fuck the eagles they're Dockers fan, so just Ooh. So, okay. yeah. wow, big Dockers down fans. On Dr. Dave's, right. say what? They're down on Dr. Dave's, no, Eagles? Dockers. Oh, no, well, Australian oh. Football League, the yeah. Australian yeah. Football oh. League. Keep up, yeah. keep the fuck up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I had a great joke for the strippers. What, what was it? <laughs> Go ahead. What do you call two nuns and a stripper? What do you, oh, what do you call it? What do you call two nuns and a stripper? What? Two tight ends and a wide receiver. <laughs> Never heard of a <laughs> You suck at your button pushing. <laughs> yeah, I, I was waiting for the crickets. Someone needs to you take got- this away from me. This should be someone else's responsibility. <laughs> I don't know why. You know, I should actually be the one doing it. Yes, you but should. It- yes, you should. Uh, you guys you guys keep going. I got to go hit the bathroom real quick. Oh, wow. Wow, Rob. <laughs> God damn it. 
No, just keep well, going. Hey, hey he's better. Going. He's better than me. At least he gives a warning. I just disappear, and then there's a <laughs> joke, true. and you guys are like, "Where the fuck are you?" And then I walk back in the room, and all I hear is Monte, Monte through the headset as I walk in the room. Uh, speaking I'll, of Monty's, I'll, uh, I'll the... jump back and tell you. Yeah. <laughs> but no, you can keep recording the show. Go ahead. Oh yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, no, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mounties in East Central Saskatchewan have cracked what they are calling an extremely Canadian case. I can't believe this. Um, what they got nothing going on there, man. I mean, this yeah, is this there's is like no, this is the news. Um, <laughs> they couldn't find their posts, and they looked all over, and they're in a beaver dam. Oh, this construction company. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. The thief was soon revealed to have sharp teeth, fur, and a broad tail. <laughs> God the post damn. found in a nearby waterway and appears a beaver helped himself to lumber to build the dam, perhaps with some help of his buddies. <laughs> <laughs> he and said, then they go on to say, he says no charges will be laid. Well, shut the fuck up. <laughs> the greatest comment of that, though, is who could really blame these little bucktooth bandits considering the price of wood these days? <laughs> right. Nice. That's the best. Don't they have unlimited wood in Canada? <laughs> I'm confused. Where I'm are they getting sure their they wood? Have, like one of the world's largest forests, especially up near the Arctic, it doesn't like and doesn't make like a third of the U.S. Uh, the world's oxygen. Sometimes I feel like the Canadians. I don't. You know, I don't know what they're doing up there. And the beavers are just trying to take away our oxygen. It sounds like it's time to go beaver hunting. <laughs> what did the beaver mention to the tree? <laughs> oh, no, it's been nice gnawing you. Yeah, damn it, Pedro. Nope, nope, not gonna honor that one. <laughs> God damn it. It's lazy. It's just lazy. How they come right out. They just come right out like one after how do, another. How do beavers make a bouncy dam? <laughs> how? Well, they just use spring water. Oh, <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> oh, man. Any more? You want to get them all out? Get them all out. Here's now. another one. You ready? Oh, ready? This I one's for kids. Oh. Why are beavers so good in math? Why? They live. They they love the logarithms. Oh. No, Dude. no, <laughs> no. <laughs> no sad. kids laughing at that one. God, nope. <laughs> You've made kids depressed <laughs> hearing that one. Yeah. There's some eight year old listening to this show without his parents, and he's like googling logarithm. What is logarithm? <laughs> First of all, if you are eight years old listening to the show, get get off. Get off right now and play Fortnite. This is not a show for you. He's going no, he's not going to be googling logarithm. He's going to be googling squirting if it's p or not. Oh god. Exactly. <laughs> and which I did look it up. Um conclusions, the present data based on an ultrasonic gra- uh, graphic bladder monitoring and biochemical analysis indicate that squirting is essentially the involuntary emission of urine during sexual activity, although a marginal contribution of Prostatic secretions to the immediate fluid often exist. Mm, that's what makes it so tasty. Oh, God, come on. <laughs> bullshit. But, hey, oh, man. Hey, that's... hey, I got I, I got it. This one's this one's great. You ready? Get through it. So great. Come on, buddy. It's like how do you how do you know if you've eaten pussy properly? How? When you wake up the next morning, your face looks like a glazed donut. <laughs> oh. 
I'm going to tell that to my wife. <laughs> Never mind. I'll be quiet. I wake up every morning with a glazed donut look over my face, but I think it's just the secretion of McDonald's coming out of my pores. Leftover <laughs> <laughs> mayo in your beard. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> what happened last night? Walking <laughs> <laughs> uh, through your food coma surrounded by wrappers. I don't even remember eating that. <laughs> as he as he slowly and firmly presses those wrappers together to save them for the future. Speaking uh, of that. Yeah, speaking of food. Yeah, it's a nice segue into the next beautiful. topic. Yeah. Way to go, bud. I like that. Thank uh, you. We got this from the Good News Network. New tech makes perishable food last for months without a fridge, helping farmers and the planet. Oh, that's so nice. What is this? It's awesome. So pretty much what they – I can't believe no one's even done this sooner. When it comes to especially like produce and like fruit, the reason why like, you know, the majority of the planet grows grains and stuff is because they don't have to worry about it going bad so much because it's just seed. Well, they package it now in CO2. Oh. They use this proprietary CO2 pasteurization technology and it can make food last at room temperatures for 90 days because bacteria can't survive in CO2. It says here, have you ever wondered why we don't devote more cropland to growing fruits and vegetables instead of grains? Mm-hmm. They are um, much more nutritious. The reason is food spoilage, the prob- a problem that cost $14 billion in waste in India alone. That's wow. insane. Just think how much more people this can actually feed. And you know what I mean? Like yeah. when you talk about population controls and stuff, if they can actually keep the food from going bad, they can get it to people who need it before it goes bad. Yeah, that's interesting. That's uh, so. So they just package it in CO two packs. Is that what? Yeah, this is pretty much what they're saying. As soon as the harvest is reap, clock begins to tick uh, until oxygen damage and bacteria render product inedible. Wow, Father check- Farms' proprietary CO2 <clears throat> pasteurization technology is a simple fix that can prolong packaged food shelf life in room temperature for 90, past 90 days, it says. Can you imagine that shit? You it- see something that normally you'd have to refrigerate. You're like, man, that's got to that's be bad. I'm like, oh, no, you still got 60 days. on. You can just put it in the pantry. And that's uh, that would be like because frid- a fridge just slows bacteria growth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and they're saying this tech could be like really big in places that don't have access to like refrigerated trucking or like uh you know refrigerated ship- shipping containers and stuff all that stuff's expensive you could ship across the ocean without even having to freaking worry about running air conditioners or whatever yeah because we always send we always send like grain over to the poor countries but we could actually mm-hmm. send fruits over there and vegetables which are more nutritious and huh you know, the first demonstration, up. French fries, would normally need to be frozen to survive trips between production facilities and supermarkets. They can't pass, can't be pasteurized like other goods since the r- rapid heating with steam would turn them into mush. Instead, mm. Father Farms puts them into a special packaging and fills them with supercritical CO2, preventing <laughs> damage from oxidization and suffocating the bacteria. Uh, leave it to us to figure out a way to ship French fries. Oh, that's what they <laughs> tested too. I'm like, hey, let's see if we can get French fries to uh, Oh, no, fries. not this mango. Imagine you're just going to be able to reach in your pantry, dude. Get some freaking fries and just whoop, good to go. Man, I, I think that counts as a good news segment of the week, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It definitely <laughs> well, is. Well, then damn it. Well, the... Well, to bring it down a little bit, it looks like uh, in 2020, America, uh, the repercussions of food waste came out to 80 billion pounds of food thrown away, which is 40% of the U.S. food supply is wasted. And it also shows that $1,600 a year in produce is thrown away by a single family home. Where was where was this invented at? Who, who discovered this? Was this in uh, the United States? 
Um, I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm like, well, this might be a stock worth buying. <laughs> you know yeah, I'm no. <laughs> not financial. It's called Father Farms. Upstate New York. Uh, Upstate New York. Yep. Yeah. Well, finally, something in New York went right. <laughs> wow. Jeez. Hey, that's a direct uh, shot. At uh, good news segment of the week. God damn it! Who's at the front door? Who is it? Oh, hey, man. Why do you look so glum? It looks like you could use some good news. See? See? Do you feel better now? <laughs> it's the good news segment of the week. Brought to you by Rob Jackson's Sticky Green. Good news of the week. I like it. <laughs> just just in time for the good news. <laughs> hey. There you go. Did you catch it or did you just catch the jingle? <laughs> no, I was here. Oh, uh, nice. Hey, Monty, are you still as excited about that one? Or? <laughs> Dude, I have, I had my hand over my mouth. Because I was cracking. I'm trying to hold it in right now because it's still you so love it great. so much. I really, I really do love that. I really do love that. I don't know why. I think it's the voice, voiceover. It just all it reminds me is like a really funny looking Satan. That's all it reminds me of. <laughs> I, I don't understand that. I don't know why it's so funny to me. It's just the voice. It just it really gets me every time. Uh, the second I heard the ding dong, I was like, oh, "Don't say anything. Don't say anything. This is the best thing in the world." The uh, the ding dong. Uh, is I channeled my early JW days. <laughs> yeah. Hey man, hey man, would you like some good news? <laughs> uh, no, you that's definitely this pamphlet about how the end of the world's coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The South Park episode is like, oh, there's a little child on fire. That's not nice. <laughs> I grew up with that. I grew up with children burning by God's uh, wrath. But we passed the, gla- the gas plastic bags. <laughs> No, we're we're doing those that next. Calm show. down, I'll Rob. Sway. Calm oh, down. Rob. We're getting there. God damn it! <laughs> no, um, I just wanted to know. I just want to make sure we didn't get past this. One. <laughs> this was uh, this was by Maverick himself. He sent me this in uh, oh, uh, as a topical, and he's not even on the show. Isn't that nice? So uh, this uh, this is a what, what would you call this? A warning to everyone where there's a gas shortage going on right now in the United public States. Service yeah, public service announcement. Yeah, public service announcement. There you go. We need a we need a jingle for that too. I think. Did you guys see pictures of uh, people? I have an idea for that. What? What is it? Uh, here's your PSA. Pay attention, you fucks. <laughs> or, or use the purge sound. <laughs> here's your public service announcements. Pay attention. Don't uh, be dumb like these fucks. Yeah, some people are actually filling up gasoline in uh, plastic bags. Yeah, so yeah. I've seen that one video, that one uh, Asian lady, she does it, and it's like leaking, so she goes and gets a second plastic bag. <laughs> just fucking leaking what's everywhere. Going, what's, what's going on with the fuel, Devin? Because you told me you know a little bit about it. What's going on? Supposedly, this uh, pipeline station, the compressor station, got hacked, and it messed up the flow of all the fuel. So, mm-hmm. like, all these gas stations started running out of, out of fuel and delivery to the east coast and so everybody started panicking just like they did with the fucking toilet paper and started hoarding it like i've seen photos of some people with like 10 freaking gas jugs like 10 yeah, like five gallon gas jugs just fill it up the back of their suv yeah there was a social media post um today that i saw actually this guy with a hummer actually had five or six gas cans five gallon gas cans filled up in the back and you can actually see it um apparently after he filled the gas cans, started driving down the road and decided it would be smart to light a cigarette while he was oh, in no. his Hummer with those gas cans in the back. Well, let's think. Of, let, let, let's put two and two oh, no. together. Oh, no. Because apparently people lose common sense. 
gas fumes in an enclosed SUV. Let me light a cigarette. What happens? His hold that whole Hummer burnt down, and all that was left was a couple a uh, couple plastic gas cans left after the fire department got there to put it out. Did he live? Like, look at these. Yeah, he lived. Oh. He lived, but still, see, we're so, losing common thought now. You see all these pictures and tweets of people just this dude's got like eight, eight of them can- lined up. Yeah, he's got eight. You know, those are only one gallon containers, but still, bro. <laughs> yeah, here's <laughs> a couple bitches look four, 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 five. It's like it's not that. It's one station. It doesn't matter. People are idiots. That's you know. This, if this pandemic has like co- when, taught when me chaos anything, comes when the JWs are right, <laughs> yes. and the apocalypse happens, <laughs> we're screwed. Yeah, me too. I'm especially screwed. <laughs> I'm just saying because people, people just hoard. It's yeah. just gonna get. It's just there's no one gives a fuck about nobody. No. No, that's why uh, you shouldn't live in a big city. You should live. Oh, in and this country. is also I want to. Here's another PSA. Most people <laughs> don't know, uh, but gas goes bad. Like, mm-hmm. if you don't use it, it'll fuck up your motor. Yeah. Like I think what twelve months is the extended, like eighteen at most. I don't know. I've always heard if you're gonna like sit a vehicle or something for longer than six months, you got to put some sort of additive to the gas to keep well, it. Well, yeah, you have to do that, but like. It's it's about an eighteen month shelf life usually from when you get it at the fuel station till like mm. where it is technically bad and won't burn. I mean it'll burn, but it won't burn like it should. You know, burn more like diesel. Yeah, it's a good PSA right there. Yeah, don't. I saw a tweet earlier. It was chick was saying don't put diesel in your uh, Prius because uh, Priuses can't run on diesel. She thought <laughs> you just that you could just cross fuels <laughs> and it would be no big deal. <laughs> like Jesus Christ. <laughs> God. They were out of gasoline, so I got diesel. Uh, I just thought it would make it run dirtier. <laughs> well, yeah, it's going to run really dirty now. Way to go, dummy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you know, what do you expect from a Prius driver? Well, you can't put motor oil in there. It won't burn motor oil. Like <laughs> I thought it lubes it up while you're doing it. Right? Fuck. Not a rotary motor. Uh, yeah, but like all these people are going to have all this gas now. It's just floating around. And, and the situation's fixed. The you, fuel problem's going to be fine in a day or two. Do you guys remember the Sunny in Philadelphia episode where they were buying gas and then reselling it? <laughs> no. So, I've never yeah. watched that show, even though I know I would love it. Uh, so they, they, they get these big old uh, 55 gallon drums. And, well, not drums, they're just uh, trash containers, you know? And they're just filling it up with gas. And then they load it in the back of their van and they go to the rich neighborhood and they're like ringing doorbells. And Charlie's dressed up as a Texan. And he's, he's like, I hate it right here. I got a good deal for you. <laughs> <laughs> and no one will buy it from him. No one will buy it from him. And so, uh, and so then they try selling it back to the gas station, but they won't buy it back from him. It's a good episode. <laughs> <laughs> Wild card. Why haven't? Why don't you watch it, dude? I'm so busy with like so much other stuff. I just really don't have time. I mean, I really don't yeah. watch that much TV. Yeah. Between my crypto gaming with Zed and my crypto gaming with F1 Delta Time and the podcast and work yeah. and track, you gotta and take football you gotta and take basketball. Little, fuck the huh? kids. Fuck the kids. Take a little time for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a maskless airline passenger blew his nose into a blanket. On JetBlue airplane, and now faces a ten thousand five hundred dollar fine. Yeah, can you guys imagine that? I mean, how many times have we, you know, 
you need to blow your nose and say you don't have a tissue or paper towel handy. I mean, I know for one, a hiking or backpack or something, you're going to use your shirt at one point. So if it's an emergency, I'm blowing my nose or sneezing into whatever. I don't care. Definitely not in a mask. I'm not going to sneeze into. So I didn't know if you guys felt the same way as that. But apparently the FAA alleges the passenger reportedly ignored and was abusive to flight attendants who instructed him to wear a face mask. The agency said that in a news release, passengers disruptive behavior diverted flight crew members from their duties. So I don't know. He probably called her a bitch. That's, it's abusive. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently airlines have rep- also reported that 1300 cases as of February they've had wow. unruly passengers which is a spike compared to earlier years. If I got to blow my nose or sneeze and it's an emergency I'm doing it anywhere. I don't care. I mean a farmer's blow. $500 fine. I mean that's hefty, bro. Yeah, that's that kind of extreme for just blowing your nose. <clears throat> and what was it? They provided him with a blanket or I, I, well, sometimes you get a blanket on those flights. Do you? I mean, yeah, like you long flights I've and never, stuff. Yeah, they got like blankets. the little gray ones. I've never been on a flight long you enough to require a big uh, blanket. I mean, that's what'd why. you say? Oh, I'm, you can ask for a pillow and a blanket. Oh, I'm going to do that. Sometimes next time. they charge. Sometimes they're free. Uh, JetBlue has also banned rapper Lil Pump for, <laughs> <laughs> for refusing to wear a mask. <laughs> <laughs> Little uh, the performer has rallied against mass mandates and says he does not believe in Corona. He could not be reached for comment about the penalty. Oh, you so this they, happened to him? No, it wasn't him. Oh, they just threw this guy group. under the bus from the side. Oh, by the way, yeah. this guy's a douchebag, too. Fuck you, MSN. <laughs> Get a fucking life. <laughs> Dude, you didn't share my Indians uh, that are spreading cow poo all over themselves I, to I, keep themselves from getting the Rona. I did not see that. I did not see what? that. What? No. It's in there. Tell in me there, about it. Tell me about so it. So in India, there's a group of people that are rubbing cow manure all over their bodies to uh, increase their uh, immunity to the Rones. Oh, oh, come on. I, I swear. Enough over the past year. It's, we haven't had a look at photos, Monty. This is our Dr. Dave. Okay. And now people are rubbing shit all over themselves. Don't they uh don't they worship uh, first of all, I just yes, wanna they do worship yeah, cows. They yeah, worship I'm cows. Share it on fan effects. First of all, I just wanna say that uh our Indian listeners that are out there right now, Germany has kept catching up to you on listening to our what podcast. And oh, so cool. you better step cool. up your game. I'm just saying. Do you want to be surpassed by the Germans on uh, listening to fan effects? I don't think so. Doctors in India have urged people to not smear themselves in cow poo in an effort to ward off the COVID. Look at these dudes. They're they covered, covered in cow shit. Oh, their wives, uh, when they come home, they say, hmm, smells like money. <laughs> it's, it's bad. Oh. Cows are considered sacred in India with the animal as a symbol of life and earth in the Hindu faith. For centuries, Hindus have used cow dung to clean their homes and for prayer, clean their house. What? And for prayer rituals, believing it's the therapeutic and antiseptic properties. Windex. I want a new flavor. I know. Look, I want to like, know. Scroll through these pictures, bud. I'm you looking. At, I want to know who was the first guy in India to be like, we need to rub our face. That's not the right voice either. <laughs> but who who's the guy that was like, we need to rub ourselves in cow shit to I, ward off the vid. Uh, so they rub themselves down in the cow shit. And then buttermilk. The mixture is then washed off with milk or buttermilk. 
or buttermilk to remove the poo. One day, Admir's yeah. just walking down the street covered in shit, and everyone's like, what the? What is he Yeah, doing? look at these guys. They are literally on the side of the street with a bucket of shit just all covered in it from head to toe. It's in their hair like it's it's gel or pomade or something. <laughs> it is like rubbed in. It's not and look like at this just... guy. He's laying down in the dirt covered in it like, oh, yes, I am at one. <laughs> You gotta it's, fucking be kidding me! I don't you see one single woman doing this. This is why. This is why we are not like. Come on. Oh man, this shit is going on in the world. Sm- I'd rather yes. see people eat bats than cover themselves in fucking cow shit. First of all, what are they feeding the cows that it's that wet? I am so. I thought, I, mean, I think it's watered down. Okay, thank I mean, God. Like, read, read, like what the mixture is that they're rubbing themselves in, but. That one guy is trying to get the hay out of his eyes from. <laughs> oh, goddamn! And the a... urine, bud. It's both. Oh, oh people yeah. have turned to cow shelters oh, to yeah. cover their bodies in cow dung and urine. Of course, I wonder what full urine smells like. Come mm. visit me after I use the restroom. You then you can figure out. What <laughs> it's basically jankum, just piss and shit. Let's cover ourselves in it. And we know it's not nice and cool in India. It's probably ninety-five degrees oh. with a hundred percent humidity. <laughs> Just wafting through town square. Yeah, they have little signs. Can't enter in without uh, cow poop. One of those pictures I love. The guy's like totally. He's rubbing it behind his ears. <laughs> yeah, got a boy. <laughs> Clean your ears too. Ain't no Rona getting back there, oh, bitch. They just have buckets of shit. And, and you see this other dude in the middle. Like it looks like he's reaching down in his crack right there. Like, oh, I don't have enough on me. Let me gather some of my own to rub on. Is that mine or is that the cow? Fuck, <laughs> Rob. What's your thoughts on this? But but busting. Rob's Rob's just not here. <laughs> he took a nap. It's <laughs> like this is what happens on this podcast. This is what happens before it's edited. Oh my god, <laughs> he's in a corner right now, curled up in a ball. What the fuck did I sign up for today, <laughs> gentlemen? We're doing an episode on weapons of mass destruction today. WMDs. I've seen some movies on this. Now, when you guys hear the term weapons of mass destruction, what do you normally think of? Kim Jong-il. I'm so wrongry. Okay. So wrongry. <laughs> in a more serious note, I, I think, love that movie. Oh, I just like, spilled my beer all in my fucking lap. Oh, God, drink, 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 chug. Oh, wasting that shit. Gone. Oh, he cracked it. He cracked you drinking it. a can? You drinking the cans? Not even bottles? Damn. I don't buy bottles. My daughter, dude, we save the cans. You get five and- cents a bottle in Cali, don't you? It's a 15. I don't know. She, I save the, I save the cans. That way my daughter can go term in. And I don't like glass bottles for beer like this because when you get a whole bunch of people here at your house it's all okay. drinking glass bottles, yeah. it's too much of a risk. And I got dogs I and the kids. Parties and stuff, man. <sighs> Every other weekend, got something going on in this house. Every other week. Same with that. Save some of that beer money. If you're, do, if you of, have that many people coming over to your house, why are they not listening to our podcast, Monty? <laughs> they do. Actually, they do. My, uh, I just had poker night the other night, and when I was grabbing more beer and taking a leak, I guess one of my buddies was talking to my wife, saying, "Oh yeah, he's pretty fucking good. I like listening to fucking up on the podcast and all this <laughs> fucked up pronunciation of shit." So she told me this the other night. I was like, thanks, babe. Thanks. Yeah, That's so what's exactly this what first word right here, Money, uh, where we're talking about the wooden sword of the Aztec warriors? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, which, the first word right there? Yep. The one with yeah. the yep. But it's actually called. Uh, the, uh, damn it. Ma- there's, a lot of, there's a lot of vowels. <laughs> I know. Lot of vowels. The Makulat. Ma- m- maku, maku, 
I don't Makalati. I don't know. Latte. Latte. Makalate. That's what I was going to go with. Soy, preferably. I'm sure it's a bitch to pronounce. Makahitl. 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 Is that what it's called? Yeah, oh, that's close. The yeah, I, I want to see what Google, how Google says to pronounce it. Oh, oh, I, no, don't oh. don't listen to the guy that listened to forty documentaries on the Makahitl. That's fine. No, that's fine. <laughs> Makahitl. <laughs> you have to say it like Danny Trejo. You know. Makawat. <laughs> Makawat. No. Makawat. How do you say it? Makahitl. Makahito? Yes. Makahito. Oh. Now, I think like when people think of weapons of mass destruction, they think of nukes, right? Chemical weapons, nukes. Yeah, yeah. Not big bombs. Like big, big yeah. bombs, yeah, mm-hmm. things like that. Napalm, things like that. Uh, but I wanted to start off with this one because this one fascinated me. So this, uh, and you can see it all on the show notes, but the Makahito is... Oh, I've okay, I know what you're talking about now. It's like a... Uh, it looks like a cricket bat, right? Uh, yeah, it looks like something exactly you like a, with a Catholic school. Yes, exactly. Exactly like that. It's got a handle like a baseball bat, and then mm-hmm. it goes flat for about two foot. This was a weapon used by the Aztecs. What made this weapon unique was it wasn't just a wooden bat. It There was little slots cut in all along the edges of the flat part of the bat, and they put obsidian in there. And obsidian is 12 times sharper than surgical steel. Isn't it really brittle though? But Obsidian? if you if you look yeah, yeah, yeah. If you look at it though, there's maybe I don't know, maybe like a half inch sticking out of the bat. Yeah, yeah, that's a decent good chunk. Yeah. And so now what makes this weapon unique was that it was not used for killing. Really? Yes. The, it was designed not to kill. This hmm. weapon is specifically used to maim people so that you could take them back as sacrifices to their gods because they didn't so, want they didn't want to kill them on the battlefield. They had to sacrifice them. So it was just enough to basically immobilize them. Well, pretty much. So how it works is like you would like swing it at someone. Right. And the, the obsidian would like cut, you know, would like sort of dig in yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you drag it out. And it would just like Ooh. take out chunks of your skin, and there'd be no way to like sew you back up because you'd have whole chunks missing out. And sometimes, Ooh. like the obsidian would come out and just get lodged into the body too. That's why they have those little slots, is so that they could come out and just inflict more damage on them. What I thought was so interesting about this was the fact that the Aztecs guess. You know they had the uh, they had those huge pyramids, right, where they sacrificed mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was doing some research on them. Now, when they, when you think I forget where the town is, where the the main temple is, but when that temple was uh, inaugurated, you know, the grand opening day, they had a celebration, uh, celebrated the gods for four straight days, and they sacrificed over eighty thousand four hundred people in four days. Holy crap. Wait, what was that number again? 80,000? 80,400 people were sacrificed on the inauguration of the Temple to their God in four days. That's 15 people per minute. So that's almost genocide, basically. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. In a sense. Well, is genocide like directed towards a certain group? Usually. Yeah. No, this uh, this wasn't like a certain group. It was just, you know, whoever they could get because the... 
the Aztecs each year yeah. sacrificed 250,000 people a year. A quarter million people were sacrificed. How are they able to come across that many people during that era of time? Well, it was interesting because when the Spanish came across them, he asked him that. There was this uh, small uh, country just to the north of the Aztecs. And he's like, why don't you guys just uh, wipe them out? You're far superior. And he's like, well, we need somewhere to uh, to get our sacrifices. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god so it's basically a grocery store of sacrifice yes, sacrificial people yes and they and they <laughs> and they would have these wars in which with these lesser states because they knew they could beat them and then uh they you know take all the survivors because all of them would be you know most of everyone would have lived through the attack of the Makahitl. 250 they said that the population of mexico decreased by one percent during the aztecs reign that's insane. You killed so many people. You put a dent in the population of a country. Yeah. This weapon was designed specifically. I don't know. I just thought it was interesting because, you know, you think of weapons of mass destruction, you know, you usually think of, you know, like killing everyone. But technically, this weapon was killing everyone. It, But the purpose of mm-hmm. it was to make them stay alive long enough to get them to sacrifice and and it was a requirement among the warriors, too, which I thought was interesting. Uh, some warriors, uh, like when you started your first war, you had to capture a slave. Otherwise, you'd be sacrificed yourself. So there was uh, some pressure to find some sacrifices. They said that the blood flowed from that inauguration day so much that you know how tall those pyramids are, right? They yeah, said you can tell me it reached the bottom. This townspeople, they found uh, excavations of this little jars with uh, a flower and uh, a dot of blood on the cover of it. And they would go to the bottom of that temple and would pick, collect the blood that was draining all the way up from the top. Holy shit. I would have never looked at that. This maca... Maca... Maca hotel. Maca hotel. Just maca hotel and thought... Never would have imagined these things were capable of marring people so much to where they these literally play a... A role in their death. I, I agree with you, man. That, that is a weapon of mass destruction. Right? I thought that, yeah. I thought that was interesting, too. That's insane. And they would have, like, these things called flower wars, where, like, all the nobles would fight each other, and they had predetermined size of their armies. And the sole purpose of it was to collect sacrifices. And both sides knew it. It was like it was really? completely agreed upon. Like, hey, if we lose, we know we know we're getting sacrificed. But if you guys lose, you're getting sacrificed. So, oh. no, yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's back to if you think about it, that's when dying on a battlefield or while you were captured by a prisoner, that was like that was a sign of honor. You know, you yes. were going to be with the gods if you died in that fashion. So guys were okay with that. And like even the people that lived in the Aztec nation, you know, like they were getting like twins, twins were viewed as evil. And so one parent would, uh, the belief was you could keep a child and then you had to send one back to the gods. And so that, wow. yeah. And so they, the amount of skulls they have found at these temples, thousands and thousands of skulls, because they, they you know they had these skull racks so after they after they sacrificed everyone they'd behead people they behead them roll them down the stairs and then the butchers would be sitting at the bottom of the stairs and they'd cut the person up you know save all the good meat they would take the skin of the people and dye them gold 
and then they'd like walk around in someone else's skin that was dyed gold. Oh, uh, yeah, if you look if you look at this, if you Google image search skulls found at Aztec temples, they put these skulls in like the temple walls, but they're like covered in concrete. So all you can see is like the front half of the head and just up to where like your head is. And it made up the walls of these temples. That is insane. 250,000 a year, guys. That's a lot. And that was like That's, they had to do 250,000 a year. I'm curious on the math on that. I didn't actually do that. So 250,000. It's not it's not 1,000 a day, but it's a lot. 800? 684? A day? Six, eight, 684 a day divided by 24 hours. Man, that's that's almost 1. Uh, it's like 1. 1.2. 1.1. Or yeah, an yeah, hour. 1.1 an hour. So Just, say, yeah, so almost a death every 55 minutes. Man, <laughs> you had to been killing it as a butcher back then in those days, huh? Man, can you imagine being the executioner? That's the one time when you would actually be tired from well, slaughtering people. Well, what they would do is they would uh, they'd march them up the stairs of the pyramid, and then there was a stone slab, and they mm-hmm. would hold the guy down, and then with obsidian, they would cut it, cut out his heart, and they said they would they were so quick at it that they could rip out the guy's heart and he'd still be conscious to see his beating heart in another guy's hands. Ooh. And then they would there was then they would take the heart and smash it onto the onto the top of the altar and uh, that was the sacrifice and then they'd behead the guy, roll him down and the next one came up. We should do an episode on the Aztecs because like, like they had a bunch of like there was one where uh, their main god like they'd pick one guy a year. And they'd be like, you are the reincarnation of this god. And oh, they, yeah. I saw that on Pirates of the Caribbean with Johnny Depp. <laughs> they would give him four uh, four concubines that he could do whatever he wanted with for that year. And, and they killed him. And gold. Yeah. And, and his only requirement is he had to play the flute and walk through the streets that year. And people would give him flowers and all this, you know, give him gold because he was the god reincarnated. And then on uh, the day of the sacrifice, he would walk up the stairs, and when he got to the top, he'd break the flute, and then he'd surrender his body to the priest, and they would sacrifice him. And then they'd pick a new guy for the next year. (laughs) Jesus. Yeah, yeah. And they're all hoping to be picked. Well, and the belief was their 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 god. They believed the gods had sacrificed themselves, right, in order for humans to live. And so the sacrifice wasn't for forgiveness from the gods, but it was to reenact what the gods had done for mankind. And so, by you know, the more sacrifices, the better, I guess. <laughs> and it helped the crops too, of course. <laughs> Do you see that one where they got the guy like they're holding his feet down and they're cutting out his heart? Which one's that on? It's on the uh, list verse, whores of the Aztec, 10 whores of the Aztec ritual human sacrifice. And the one guy is cutting out his heart. Is it the one where he's laying down like on that little post yep. and he's getting there's, his heart cut out? Yeah, there's yeah. multiple ones of that. That's insane. So they would cut his heart out and he would still, You, I mean, because I remember watching documentary about uh, like when they used to use guillotines and scientifically, I guess when they cut your head off. You can actually, you can still, once your head is removed from your body, you can actually still see as your head falls in the basket for about three to five seconds. So imagine after you get your heart cut out, 
what you're seeing in the paint. Like, I wonder, do you just go cold? Or are you in shock? Or But you're seeing this other dude hold your heart up, and then what, he just throws it down? Yeah, smashes it against the, the floor. <sighs> Be like, no, I need that. Fuck. And then it followed up with feasting on human flesh. Yeah, they were cannibals. The bodies of the sacrifice were often baked with corn and shared among the priests for the feast. Other times, enough was prepared for the whole city, and every person was person was present would partake in the shared act of ritualistic cannibalism. Sounds like a party. Yeah, but th- why are they saying oftentimes if you're killing that many people a day in a 24 hour span, I'm pretty sure you got enough to feed everybody. <laughs> Just putting that out there. That's the uh, Makahito. I uh, played a key role in the sacrifices of the ass. I think it I think it counts as a weapon of mass destruction. How did you learn how to say that word? Did you watch a, watch a documentary? I watched. Yep. Yep. Danny okay. Trejo hosted a show okay. where they tested it out. Oh, and I figured okay. it. I'll say it how Danny Trejo says it. I'm interested. I'd like to see that, actually. Yeah. No, it was. It, I mean, like, they had one of those ballistic dummies, and they mm-hmm. were, like, smacking it with it and then dragging it across. And it was just taking out big chunks of flesh, dude. Just, I you know, like. should watch that. You'd, you wouldn't be able to do anything. The next one is Greek fire. Have you guys ever heard of Greek fire? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they, yeah, I've heard of it. And they still don't even know how to make it. To Is that the one really with the know mirror? What it was made out of, or no? I, no, it was it was used in naval combat. Did you guys ever I, see uh, Game of Thrones? Yeah, no, I I watched the first season and that was it. You remember when they find uh, was it was it dragon fire or whatever they call it? Wildfire. Wildfire. That's what it was called. Yeah. Yep, yep. That's what this is about. George R. R. Martin stole that idea from the history the of Byzantine? Greek fire. Yeah. So the Byzantine Ooh. Empire, this weapon kept the Byzantine Empire an empire for another 150 years. That's how effective it was. I have heard of this. Okay. So what it was, and it, to this day, they they don't know. They don't know how it was made. It was so secretly guarded by the Byzantine Empire that it was eventually lost in time. And they have clues uh, what it could be made out of because there's descriptions from other armies. One said that it burned on water or another report mm-hmm. said it was ignited when it touched water, which they oh. said is possible because of quicklime. Yeah, there's there's substances that will catch on fire if it's exposed to water. Yeah. Uh, it was a liquid, and they said when the weapon was discharged, all of the reports say this, when the weapon was discharged, it was accompanied by loud thunder and much smoke. In the show notes, uh, you can see a picture of it, but it was the first flamethrower, essentially, is what it was. They had a container where they kept the ingredients, and then there was a foot pump that built up pressure, and then they could spray it out of a nozzle, and it would shoot 40 feet forward damn and it would light anything on fire now there was a report of when uh one rebel from the byzantine empire led 800 ships uh against the byzantines and they deployed this weapon and destroyed uh they destroyed six ships and after the rest of the navy saw what happened to those six ships they all fled (laughs) fuck that yeah they said all that was left of the ships were white ash. Those officers wow. looked at each other and went, mm, nope, we're going to go back the opposite direction. Bye. The Arabian army held the city at siege two different times 
And both times they deployed this Greek fire and made the uh, Arabian army retreat back uh, across the sea. It had never been seen before, something like this. Now, they said that it was... Uh, they, they, they don't know who created it. They have an idea of the guy who created it. But uh, after 150 years, uh, guns came out, and then the recipe was lost for good. I don't know if that counts as a weapon of mass destruction. I think so. Fire in, in itself is pretty it's terrible. Well, and it's to, horrific. It's a horrific way to die. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The one, the one I was talking about that I was referring to when you first said this, I was thinking of the uh, Archimedes, the burning mirror. That's what I was thinking of when you first started the subject. So apparently it was it was a mirror that a ship would have on its or sorry, it's not a mirror a ship would have. But like the walls, say, of like a castle would have multiple mirrors on its wall. And those mirrors were centered in a central direction. And supposedly when a ship would cross in front of that, it would catch the ship on fire instantaneously. Supposedly. Like a magnifying glass. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it would use the rays of the sun, would bounce off the mirror, and those mirrors were all centered in a certain uh, certain location within the water. And when a ship would pass that location, supposedly it would catch on fire immediately. Is, was that a proven thing? Um, I've seen it on multiple, uh, on like multiple documentaries, but I don't know if it's 100% proven. It's something I could look into. That would be an interesting topic because... There's a belief that there's uh, some sort of weapon used to this day to start forest fires that would fall along those lines. Hmm. We should do some research on that. Now, the reason I bring up Greek fire really is because, like you said, Devin, fire is just destructive and a horrible way to die. And that goes to our next subject, the modern day bomb. The reason I bring this up is... uh, have you guys ever heard of firebombing? It was a tactic we used in World War II. Sure, yeah, just burn towns down. Yeah, well, it's it's more uh, evil than that. <laughs> so during World War II, uh, you know, the Germans advanced, and you, we got, to understand to understand firebombing, you have to put yourself back in the time of World War II, right? World War One, bombs were not used uh, to any effectiveness. Because the planes were shit. When World War II came along, that was the first time bombs had been used with any type of efficiency. And they were they didn't know how to go about doing it. So in the early part of the war, the Germans, I love this, the Germans were trying to, <laughs> I don't, but it's, it's just very German. <laughs> uh, the Germans were trying to figure out how to use bombs most effectively. And so they bombed a village in Poland and just destroyed the whole town. And it had no military importance to their front line. So no one understood why they had bombed this village. Well, it turned out that the village was a perfect square. And because it was symmetrical, they could experiment on how, on how to make bombs most effective on a, on a city to see what could cause the most damage. And that was the beginning of firebombing. Of course, the uh, British Air Force and the American Air Force saw this, and they started doing their own experiments. Now, have you guys ever seen an incendiary bomb? You know what I'm talking about? Yep. Incendiary bomb? So I was watching uh, a couple of propaganda videos from World War II on how they made them. <laughs> so, so imagine in your mind, right, a, a long metal tube. It's about five foot long. And inside the metal tube is a sort of like a 
a stocking and it's full of this petroleum jelly. And the purpose of that is like, if you ever thrown jelly against, you know, you throw jelly against anything, it just sticks to it, right? That's what this, uh, tube was filled with it was this petroleum jelly five five foot long and there was in one bomb 38 canisters of those (sighs) sleeves right and each sleeve burned about a square yard at a thousand degrees for about 20 minutes and you're not just rubbing that jelly off either no nope it's just like yeah it's like you put jelly on your arm and try to rub it off Yeah, you're just smearing it, making it worse. Yep. What they had designed was this incinerary bomb. But when you're bombing a town like Germany, all the buildings are made out of stone, the facades, right? They're all made out of stone. So the fires would stick to the stone and then fizzle out over time. So they had to come up with a way to make the incinerary bombs more productive. And so they mixed them with what was called a cookie bomb or a blockbuster. And the Blockbuster bomb was like a 55-gallon drum full of explosives. And it would take out a city a city block. It wouldn't destroy the buildings, like the buildings wouldn't collapse, but the shock wave would rip the roofs off of them, which is what it was designed to do. They would drop these Blockbusters, and they'd blow the roofs off of all these buildings, and then they would drop the incinerary bombs, and then the fires would go into the wood framing that was inside the building. Now, there was a second purpose for dropping the blockbuster is the facades, you know, they still remained, you know, and you can look up pictures of uh, the bombing of Dresden and you just see like those rows and rows of stone buildings and all the outside edges are still intact. Yeah. Well, the design was since those facades are going to stay there, they worked as sort of a, a channel for the air to updraft and create an even hotter fire like you would in a forge. You know, so it's like pumping air through these uh, small holes and creating a jet stream to increase the amount of flames created by the incinerary bombs. Jeez. And so the bombing of Dresden in 1945 tried this, tried it out. It's, it gets graphic, guys, like uh, explaining this because, and I got a bunch of eyewitness accounts too of people that survived it. But what happened is at 1030 that night, the air raid sirens went off in Dresden. Now, Dresden didn't have any military significance. It was a base for the Red Cross. Uh, it was an arts and cultural city. I suppose you could consider it sort of like a San Francisco you know, uh, of Germany. Mm-hmm. So no one thought that Dresden would ever get bombed. And what happened was at 1030, we flew 800 planes over Dresden. <laughs> and the first wave, the people that were on the ground in Dresden said it looked like a bunch of Christmas trees falling from the sky. And the reason for that is the first row of planes dropped all these flares to light up the city so that the bombers could see where they were going. And then the second wave came. That was with these 800 planes. And in 10 minutes, they dropped all of their bombs, which said they dropped a bomb every half second, 12 minutes. For how many minutes? For 12 minutes? For 12 minutes. Yeah. 800 planes, 12 minutes. And what happened was 40% of the bombs dropped were the incinerary bombs. The other 60% were blockbusters. The design... You know, 
I guess for a long time, I just thought that they just sort of they just loaded up planes with bombs and then just dumped them and whatever happened. Yeah, happened. carpet bombing and all that. Yeah, yeah. But this was a design bomb run. It was so what they did is they went down the center of Dresden and then along the edges, blew off all the roofs to the buildings, right? And then the fires mm-hmm. started and then there was nothing for two and a half hours. The fires were burning, but they there was still a lot of people alive after the bombing run because the fires hadn't got intense yet. But once all the emergency people and firefighters were out trying to put out the fires at 1.30, they did it again. And this time they used even bigger incinerary bombs to light up all the openings that were blown open by the blockbuster bombs. Now, Jeez. now I like in my mind, when I first heard this, like you're thinking, you know, just a bunch of fires everywhere. Right. But what happens is when you get that much fire and then, you know how they bomb the center and then the sides. Yeah. Well, when those fires all combined, it created what was called a firestorm. So there was such right. a huge updraft that the winds created to feed the fire equaled that of a Category 5 hurricane over 200 wow. miles per hour. Wow. And it was sucking straight up. So there's accounts by people that as people were trying to run out of their homes. They would get sucked in the sky? They'd go straight up into the sky. Wow. And uh, and then they'd fall down charred. Or people that were hiding in the uh, bomb shelters. Once those fires converged, it sucked all the air out of the bomb shelter and they all suffocated. Damn. And because all those buildings were brick, it heated up inside of those bomb shelters like an oven. So when the rescue workers went there to pull people out, they'd open up these bomb shelters and there'd be no bodies. Just just boiling liquid and bone. Ooh. Holy shit. There's an account here from someone that uh, was there during the bombing of Dresden, an eyewitness account. I'm just going to read a little bit of it. This woman that was living with her mother and her sisters who were aged 13, age 5, and the other one was five-month-old twins. Uh, She says, about 9.30, alarm was given. We children knew that sound and got up and dressed quickly to hurry downstairs into our cellar, which we used as an air raid shelter. My older sister and I carried my baby twin sisters. My mother carried a little suitcase and bottles of milk for our babies. Some minutes later, we heard a horrible noise. The bombers. There was nonstop explosions. Our cellar was filled with fire and smoke and was damaged. The lights went out and wounded wounded people shouted dreadfully. With one hand, I grasped my younger sister, and with the other, I grasped the coat of my mother. When we walked out, we did not recognize our street anymore. Fire. Only fire wherever we looked. Our fourth floor didn't exist anymore. The broken remains of our house was burning. On the streets, there were burning vehicles and car and carts with refugees, people's horses, all of them screaming and shouting. We fled into another cellar, overcrowded with injured and distraught men and women. We saw terrible things. Cremated adults shrunk to the size of small children. And they said that for days after that, they'd be bringing bodies to bury people. And the reason they were shrunk was because all the moisture was ripped out of their body. So you'd have full-grown adults that, when they were brought to be buried, were three foot tall. Creepy. Pieces of arms and legs, dead people, whole families burnt to death. Burning people ran to and fro. 
burnt coaches filled with civilian refugees, dead rescuers and soldiers. <laughs> she goes on to say that her mother had carried a little bag with their identity papers in it or their vaccination papers. The basket with the twins had disappeared. And then suddenly, my older sister vanished too. Although we looked for them, it was in vain. That last hour of the night, we found shelter in the cellar of a hospital, nearby surrounded by crying and dying people. Totally exhausted, with burnt hair and badly burnt and wounded by the fire, they made their way to the bridge. Now, they found people that dived into the water to escape the heat. And then as soon as they popped back up to breathe, their whole bodies reignited. I don't think we understand, like, how hot it was. Like, they said Mm -mm. if uh, there was an account of them running out of the bomb shelter after the first raid because they knew that the oxygen would be sucked out of the bomb shelter. And people were stuck in the middle of the road because the asphalt was boiling. And they had ran onto onto the main part of the road and then got stuck into the boiling asphalt and then just well, i know it's really hot because i saw that movie with <laughs> dang it that football player what was his name it was called the firestorm howie long uh, it's on there though howie long's a freaking hero in the movie <laughs> of course <laughs> i was actually google i was trying to google to see how hot uh firestorm gets what did you find out well i mean if everything's burning at a thousand degrees which is what the you know what i mean like that's that's what that petroleum jelly burnt at was a thousand degrees okay so but they they, you know those wooden those those brick buildings they worked as ovens so like even if there was when you add the wind to it though man when you you know just like when you blow on a fire blacksness you know you get more heat yeah yeah um there's an account the guy said when he got out you had to walk you had to walk against the wind right because you don't want to go in with the wind because you get sucked Mm -hmm. up but he said that you couldn't breathe because your lungs were on fire because it was and he's like you tried to lay down on the ground but you couldn't do that either because it was way too hot you would just burn your skin uh there's an account where they the blockbuster landed and it lifted the whole house apart from the cellar and the girl said she could see light through the through the cellar into the street from the house being lifted up from the blockbuster Damn, up to 25,000 people died in Dresden. Well, we're going to we're going to talk about that cuz winners get to write history. <clears throat> Ooh. In the blockbuster, the cookie they called it, this thing was so powerful that they had to drop it from it was required. You could not be below 6,000 feet in a plane and drop that bomb because it would or it would fuck you up. It would it would destroy the plane. They drop there's an account of one RAF guy that they were flying just at 6000 feet and it blew the escape hatch off the off the plane and lifted the plane 200 yards up into the air. Holy <laughs> and that it would destroy whole blocks and open up it would open up all the interior and then those incinerary bombs, I mean it was just it was just free fire. The entire town of Dresden burnt for seven days after the bombing run and they said it smoldered for months this reminds me a lot of uh when we dropped the bombs on uh hiroshima and nagasaki um apparently today you can still see like the shadows of the people that were standing on the sidewalks and stuff when the nukes went off over yeah, there in hiroshima yeah, yeah in hiroshima they you can. can still see the shadows of the people on the sidewalks that's how bright that flash of light was so I can only imagine what these people were experiencing. Now this wasn't this wasn't an accident that like no like this whole like burning inferno was created. They knew this is how you did it. Mm-hmm. 
it was, I mean, it was pre-planned. Like someone sat down and said, what's the best way to cause most destruction? Like, well, we got to blow the roofs off the building and then we can create a huge fire that will combine at the center of the city and it will just destroy everything. Dude, just for example, forest fires can reach up to almost uh, 1,472 degrees Fahrenheit. <sighs> and that's not with petroleum jelly being your... <laughs> <laughs> right and like you said you know like sometimes like you know some of that just a little bit would get on a person and they'd be trying to rub it off and it would just spread the fire to both limbs yeah, it's napalm rudimentary napalm yeah well like that story i just read you know like the guy said that there were no babies found or children found because their bones are still soft and so they were just mm. melted. That's why the number 25,000 is ridiculous <laughs> because there's no way you could count. They, they'd open up basements and it would just be pools. Empty. Pools. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah, there'd be goo bubbling oh. and then bones. There was a soldier for the British Army named Victor Gregg. And a few years back at age 92, he talked about his experience in Dresden. He had been a parachuter for the RAF and gotten captured by the Germans. And this guy, if you get a chance, go on Amazon and buy his book because he's he's a badass, like all the different campaigns he did for the uh, Royal Air Force. But eventually he gets caught, right? And they put him in Dresden at the POW camp there. And he said that, you know, he got bored just sitting at the POW camp. And so him and another guy from Britain named Harry, they signed up for work duty and they were pretty mischievous. So the general didn't like them, the guy in charge of the POW camp. And so he made them march six miles each way to a soap factory in wooden clogs. And, uh, and so they got sick of that. And so they said this, the ingredients to mix soap looked a lot similar to concrete. Yeah. <laughs> so they filled up the thing with concrete instead of the soap mix. And uh, it overheated the wires and burnt the whole soap factory down. <laughs> and so, of course, you know, they got arrested for sabotage and they got put into a different place in downtown Dresden. Every morning, the German guards would come in, grab 30 of the prisoners. And he said there's about 300 guys in there. They grab 30 of the prisoners, take them out and shoot them. Because if you participated in sabotage, you got shot. It was just the German way. So he was waiting for the next day for his time to come to get shot. And that was the night of the Dresden bombings. And he said that uh, they had a, in the building they were in, it had a glass ceiling. So he was able to watch the whole thing happen. And a blockbuster uh, dropped nearby. And he was sitting next to Harry. And Harry took the brunt of the shock wave. And he said, and it, Harry took the brunt of the shockwave and it still threw him across the room. And then he got buried underneath a bunch of rubble. Mm -hmm. So when he came out, uh, Harry was dead. He said there was nothing inside of him. It had all been pushed out of his orifices. So like he, there was, there was nothing inside. It just, all come, he says blood everywhere coming out of his ears, nose, mouth. You know, he says he puts a coat on Harry to cover him up, you know. And I recorded the rest of the interview and he gives an eyewitness detail to what he saw. And I'm going to play it for you guys. Uh, it's five minutes long. So get comfy. His name's Victor Gregg and you need to look up his book. 
when we heard the air raid warnings we thought well you know we looked up in the sky and thought we didn't really realise that it was going to be bombed at the time but it was just sort of an instinct to get in a corner somewhere which we did but unfortunately when the when the blockbuster come down and knocked all the building in uh, it threw me over the other side of the room and I got buried in all the rubble and Harry he took the full blast of the uh, concussion sort of thing and it knocked everything out of his uh, he didn't have anything inside him apparently from what I could see there was blood out of his ears and out of his nose and stuff like that and I covered him up the best I could with his overcoat and uh, I got out of the building before it all fell down on top of me and uh, there was about 20 of us outside what out of about 300 who survived and we was out in the street then but you didn't know it as a street because it's just in the middle of a big bonfire After the first raid was finished the the sirens start all over again and what was different then about that second air raid? Well the second raid was entirely different than the first raid the second raid, the, uh, the incendiaries they sent down were much bigger. You could see them coming down. They were so big, they were like a, they were like a bus coming through the air. And it, when they hit the ground, there was a big ball of flame and everything got incinerated. And they also had these big, enormous blockbusters come down. And they'd knock a complete row of buildings down. So when the uh, the second raid was the first raid was sort of a it was just a taster to what they was going to deliver in the second raid. So and everything burnt then. Everything was caught alight on the second raid. It, uh, there was just nowhere to go. Anybody was in the open. All you could do was to lay down, and the ground was hot. Everything was after the second raid had finished. Everything was alight. All the tar in the roads were was bubbling, and I'm talking about the centre of Dresden, I'm not talking about the outskirts. Uh, and all the people, of course, were buried in their in their uh, in their Luftschutz keller, their uh, underground yep. shelters underneath their houses. They couldn't get out, and they were they were the things they thought would keep them safe. But they must have just got hotter and well, hotter. Well, that's where they went. Where they went once the uh, air, once the they, they realised they was going to get bombed, they went down into the cellars. Unfortunately, yeah, quite a lot of them survived the first raid, and uh, you could because you could see them coming out uh, after the first raid finished, crawling out amongst the rubble. Some of them, those that had survived, and then because when the second raid started, they went back in again. The second raid flattened everything there was nothing standing after that so they were well and truly trapped so they all got roasted and burnt alive thousands of them thousands of them 25,000 is ridiculous there was 5,000 in one shelter alone the trouble was that you couldn't count them because in the big shelters which were in the Ulstead the big shelters when you finally got the door open there wasn't any bodies there was a lot of bones a lot of bones and stuff like that, but there was no flesh. It was all melted. It's on the floor. Still and you bubbling. Say, you say that, I know you say that, because you did that. They actually yeah, did yeah, work, didn't they? I can only speak as I find, you know. Uh, I've got, I haven't got a lot of time for people who, who come up with these figures, because 
Uh, I, I think we saw there's a certain amount of whitewashing going on, and I've got no extra grind. I'm I, I'm not. I've got no extra grind whatsoever, except to tell people that uh, how disgusting it all is, and there was dead bodies everywhere. Well, what you could call dead bodies, they were all. You just yeah. couldn't because when we went to get these bodies out, uh, you couldn't put, bring a body out. Because it would break up. It, the, heat, the heat in these ovens was terrific. And they just melted the bodies. You can only hope, can't you, that most of these people died of smoke inhalation or they, 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 they lost said, consciousness. That's what I said. If, if, you started, if you started dwelling on it, on, on the agony they must have suffered, then you would... It, it's reason, reasonable to presume that you would go completely stark bonkers. You just wouldn't... Um, the mind of people wouldn't be able to cope if you was to think in the, thinking of the horrors that these people must have gone... And they were all women and children and old people, not a soldier amongst them. That's Victor Gregg explaining his experience of the Dresden bombing. Now, they claim that 220,000 died that night in that bomb Ooh. raid. That's crazy because he talked about the first wave as being like, uh, I can't remember his exact verbiage now, but it was like, oh, oh, here's the appetizer. We knew the main course was on the way, for lack of a better term. In this in this moment, it was like, oh, here's here's what we have. And we knew more was coming. And the fact that he said people would try those that were able to survive would crawl out from the rubble. And those that didn't that they tried to tried to pull out out of buildings and stuff. He what did he call them? He called them ovens. He yeah, tried to pull ovens. them out of the ovens, and you couldn't pull them out because they were just they were melted. And you know how there was a two and a half hour period between the first raid and the second raid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know why the reason was for that mm. was so that you could get all the emergency workers out and fixing stuff, and then you could kill all them oh, too. Fuck. Well, why this town though? It's like so there's what the belief was was that the the red army was coming from that side and uh of course there was retaliation on the british for what the germans had tried to do to them the germans tried to do this but they were not successful because no one had done bombing runs like this before it had never been done so they didn't know how effective it could be. You know, they didn't know if you could break the spirit of a people or, you know, how much mm. damage you could do. And so when the Blitzkrieg happened over London, the most they killed, I think, was 43,000. So, yeah, yeah. And so the RAF, you know, the, the Royal Air Force, mm-hmm. uh, they wanted revenge, of course, you know, because that's what war does. But they also said the second reason was they wanted to burn Dresden to the ground so that when the Soviet army got there, they saw the type of enemy we were. And so they wouldn't fuck with us. It was more of a statement to the Red Army when they came walking through Dresden to see what we were capable of doing. That's it. <laughs> it's not a very good, uh, not a very good excuse. And the reason why I chose firebombing over the nuclear weapon is because firebombing killed more people than all nukes did combined. Yeah, I was going to say it's definitely killed more. Yep. Yeah, and in and, uh, as far as like more acreage, more lives, more buildings, firebombing is one of the most successful weapons of mass destruction. And my uncle, 
Curtis LeMay was the guy that ran it. <laughs> My great uncle. Yeah. I've got his really? book. Yeah. I've got his autobiography in which he talks about how they design. Cause we did this in Japan and he talks about how they designed each bombing run to bring maximum, maximum damage to, to each town. Cause they wanted to obliterate any, any type of hope, you know, like you hear about bombing and for a long time, I just thought that, you know, carpet bombing, you know, it was just, you just dropped as many bombs as you could and there was no real strategy behind it, but there was strategy behind it. It was specifically designed to inflict the most amount of damage with the most amount of loss of property. And it was designed to be dropped in a certain way with a certain percentage being incineraries and blockbusters mixed together to, right. to do that. That oh. is... uh that's weapons of mass destruction. Burned alive. <laughs> you go take some antidepressants now, man. It's really brought down. Had all these beers, got all riled up, and now I'm just. I warned you. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm glad you didn't grow up back then. You days. know what? It's 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 really fucked up how uh, how good humans are at killing each other. If you mm-hmm. really think about it, we are really good at killing each other. In, in my opinion. Well, you know, so. and I, I like what Victor Gregg said. If you listen to other interviews, you know, he talks about just, he's like, it was evil. He's like, what I was witnessing was just evil. And he's, it's sad because the, the Nazis were evil. The, you know, yeah. what they were doing was evil. But in order to defeat them, we had to be more evil. And it well, just yeah, you- compounded upon itself because, you know... Well, wars like that today. I mean, you have to fight evil with evil, and and those guys that that go to war today are more evil than the people that originally, you know, that they're fighting. They fire bombed uh, Japan too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tokyo, yeah, yeah. Well, warehouses are made out of paper. Yeah, they, I've got in his in Curtis Lemay's autobiography. He's got pictures of all. All of their like they they did one where it was like an X, so they did an X through the city, yeah, and, and fire and firebombed all that shit. And the I mean, like they come back with reports eighty percent, ninety percent, a hundred percent destroyed some of these towns. Damn. You know, nothing left, nothing left. It was the most effective. the The, the Canadian Royal Air Force general said that uh, I love this quote. He goes, "People say bombing can't win a war." But we'll find out. <laughs> Damn. It was such a new technology, too. You know, like it was just very experimental for a long time. And then, you know, and Dresden was the smallest of all those fire bombings. You know, they did that to a couple of other German cities as well. I don't know if you guys ever seen the movie The Pianist. Yeah, that's a good movie. Yeah, you remember when they find him? But it's just, you know, they they do a zoom out of the city, and it's just all Mm -hmm. the brick facades left over. That's firebombing. Firebombing, the most uh, destructive bombing campaign in uh, human history. Crazy. Well, cool. I would have never thought about it. (laughs) Sweet dreams. (laughs) Have a good night, everybody. (laughs) Why am I hungry for s'mores all of a sudden? (laughs) Mm. I like them just a little charred. When I was a kid, I used to put my marshmallows, like, I'd burn it, like, have it on fire, blow it out, eat the outside, burn the outside again, <laughs> blow it out, eat it. I would just do that until there was, like, hardly anything left. Get a little Aztec in here. 
charred marshmallow. <laughs> uh, anyway. <laughs> I don't know how to end it. End it on food. <laughs> yep. <laughs> on a charred marshmallow. Asian style. <laughs> <laughs> what you get if you just let your government and go kill about you know a couple million Jews? I guess you get a couple of your cities burned to the ground. Yeah, well, you know, and that's war. You know, like I, there's a, this whole you know in, in my uh, great uncle's book in the beginning, he goes, uh, "There's been much discussion about the morality of these bombings. We won't discuss that here. That's for other people to discuss." <laughs> hmm. But it's you know it's true. Like uh, you know, it was war. It was war. War of attrition, man. Yeah. It was a bad war. Well, and yeah, it was, you know, were you going to submit to the Nazi party or were you going to have to, you had to make some sort of statement, you know, but I just think it's sort of sad. Like we say, oh, only 25,000 people died because we were the victors and and we get to dictate what's a war crime or not. But they say it's more likely 220,000. Like he said, Victor Gregg, he said one bomb took out 5,000 people. Yeah. He's like, it's bullshit. And that's coming from someone that was with the RAF. Anyway, get his book. It's in the show notes. You get a chance to listen to it. Cool. Uh, Next week, we will not have a show because I will be moving that day. So uh, I guess we all get an extra week off. Uh, Patreon show, though. Are we going to do? Yeah, we'll do a Patreon show Sunday. Sure. Sunday. Sounds good. We got a bunch of stuff going on in the crypto world. Tesla. Yeah, we, or yo, e- evil enemy. Elon yeah. Musk. Driving down the price of Bitcoin. Oh, gosh. Nah. We no. need, we need I to. I just hate. Uh, this is what I hate about crypto. It's so reactionary. Oh, you got to save it. You got to save it for Sunday. <laughs> save it for Sunday. Tease. I'm, I'm, it's a tease. I'm putting it down. It's a good buying opportunity. Uh, you know that. that's, what I, that's what I say. But it wasn't too dark of a subject, I hope, for you guys. No, no, I enjoyed it. It's interesting, and people need to know it. Yeah, that was good. I, I, I didn't know we were going down that hole at all, or anything about it. That was really good. Well, I'm glad I you guys stopped this race because I got hot, hot, hot racetrack in Belgium. I have to do. Oh. Give me another. Oh, dear Lord. Dear Lord. <laughs> well, have a safe trip to Belgium. Well, it's my F1 Delta time. I, I'm it's just we're it's it's radio, what man. Let's to, create a let's create a visual. That you're what flying to Belgium. To, uh, what's his name? Rob? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> he he just disappeared. <laughs> he made us wait all this time, get his stuff all set up, and then he's just gone. <laughs> it's just us three. It's just three I wish four his camera was still on so we could see him passed out. <laughs> this Yeti mic just in his face. Just leaning against it. His, his daughter probably just went in the room, just <laughs> politely closed his laptop down for him. <laughs> Put a little blanket on him. Oh, we should just have Violet on the show. <laughs> he's, all, he's, all, he's all cuddled up. <laughs> oh, man. He's just gone. Unless I knew. Like, I got to go to the bathroom. You all, you all keep going. Oh, yeah, okay. and then it was, hey, I'm back. Are we here? <laughs> yep, that was it. Hold on, hold on. And then it was just silence. <laughs> I love it. You're like, what do you think of that, Rob? Nothing. <laughs> yeah. I was like, wow, that's worth some money. He, he just totally ghosted. <laughs> Monty's job is safe for another day. Ah. <laughs> Love it. I'm teasing love it. Monty. I love having you on the show. I appreciate it. All right. Well, good shit, gentlemen. Yeah, good shit. Good night, good Phantom. Shit. Oh, and uh, check out our Facebook page. Check out our Patreon, Phantom Facts Society on Patreon. A dollar a month gives you access to Poppy D's brain. So, yes. 
I mean, crypto ma- brain. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've made 500 bucks off of it the last month. So, I mean, hey. I, that's a pretty good deal. It's a pretty fucking yeah. good deal, people. That's pretty good. Can't complain about an extra $500 a month. No. No. Uh, can't. That's a car payment right there. Yes, sir. Uh, not for me, but for somebody. Start charging, <laughs> Start charging consultation fees. <laughs> uh, it's <laughs> called <sent>. Patreon. <laughs> okay. You have questions? Um, I need 10%. <laughs> wow, you're more expensive yeah. than Edward Jones. Wow, I'm fucking greedy. Hey, hey, hey! Just I did, you, know, you get a friend price. Ten <laughs> percent plus a penny. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but you know, here's a tip: if you can Google it, you might want to try googling it first before you hit your extra friends uh, up. Because after a while, they they lose their patience. God damn it, I know. <laughs> Can't imagine who we're talking Man. about. Maverick. Yeah. Maverick. <laughs> how do you how do you sign in? Like Google it. Why am I getting charged to these fees to transfer it back and forth and back and forth all within thirty minutes? <laughs> like stop. Stop, stop transferring it. Oh, paying God. so much money. Uh, I, I, I uh Dave was trying to give me crap about Shibu and uh, this morning, did you guys see that? Yeah, yeah, I, I saw that. So, yeah. I didn't have the balls to tell him, but I did try to buy it, but somehow the transaction failed, and so I didn't buy any, and then it dropped down to .017 or whatever it was. Ooh. So I, I counted that as a blessing, but I just wanted yeah. to go along the lines someone, of... Someone, should... Someone's looking out. You say what? Someone's looking out. Yeah, you know? yeah. Sometimes I'm like, hey, it was meant to be. Yeah, that's what I said. I don't know how to get that $60 back, but... What for you paid your failed transaction? Yeah, yeah, that happens. I don't it know. Sucks. It's just gone. It it's just gone. So, really the shit covered people. You know, but sixty bucks. You know, I make, I make a bunch of money. That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> I want my sixty bucks back. Check us out on Twitch sometime. We might, uh, we might do a Warzone. Fuck. At some point. I keep forgetting to do that. Man. <laughs> That's all right. Once we get settled in, we'll figure it out. All right. Have a good night, Phantoms. This is the emergency broadcast system.